Thank you, worship team and Pastor Scott, for leading us in our time this morning with communion and worship. Uh, to our First Alliance Church, good morning. It is a joy to be with you all and an even greater joy to preach God's word this morning. Uh, if we haven't met yet or if you don't know who I am, my name is Chen. I serve as a youth pastor here at First Alliance Church. And again, for those who are tuning in online, I hope that you are doing well, and I'm glad that you are here with us through Spirit and also tuning in. In our time together this morning, we will be in Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. And as you are turning there, I want to just share a little bit, share this uh, story with you. Emmanuel was a pastor in the Christian Reformed Church of Nigeria. He and his wife, Juliana, had a passion for God and the work of evangelism. Emmanuel started working as a high school math teacher when he felt God's call into full-time ministry. Juliana was a music composer and a vocalist who believed that creativity made the Bible message more understandable. In 2014, Emmanuel will complete, would complete his master's in theology at Calvin Theological Seminary in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And as part of his appreciation of his time at the seminary, Emmanuel willingly took on the task of cleaning windows as a tangible expression of his gratitude. In Markurdi, the capital of Benue State, he planted a church in that city and it thrived. He continued working as a church planner in various parts of Nigeria until June 2nd, 2020. While working on their church farm, owned in a terrible state, Emmanuel and Juliana were shot and killed. They were parents to eight children, and they were expecting their ninth. Open Door USA, an organization that compiles information and stories of the persecuted church from around the world reports that Nigeria is in the top 10 countries of Christian persecution. I share this story to bring to light that as Christ followers, we're called to be bold, to be a light in the dark areas of our world. The word bold is defined as showing an ability to take risk confident and courageous. Bold, you see, is more than just raising your voice volume-wise to overcome someone, other, uh, someone else's voice or opinions. You see, to be bold means to take risks, to be courageous for the Lord. My hope this morning is that in the Word of God, as we go through the Word of God, is that we can piece together a formula for boldness. So church, would you join me in reading Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. And it says this. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? 
the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, Lord, we simply ask this. Would you prepare our hearts to receive your word? Would your Holy Spirit fall and prepare us to receive? Father, may the words that are spoken today be from you and only from you. We come before you and we ask all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So let's jump right into the word of God. Our first piece to this formula, our formula for boldness, is this term to recognize. And what do we mean by that? What do we mean to recognize? What does it mean for you and I? So let's turn our attention to our text. So we start in verse 23 where they, Peter and John, Again, to remind you, Peter and John, they were disciples of Jesus. They were the same duo who ran, who raced against each other to the tomb of Jesus on the day of resurrection. If you're familiar with that story, uh, John, he mentions it. He's like, you know what? I beat that guy. You know, I ran faster than him. You see, these two, Peter and John, they were returning from a night that they spent in jail. And, they, and earlier they were interrogated from the synagogue leaders. And you can read all that in the earlier chapter, uh, in chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. All this happened because of what Jesus did through Peter. In Acts chapter 3, there's this story of the healing of the lame man. Within that interrogation, we find that the synagogue leaders, they are charging Peter and John, meaning this, they're telling, commanding Peter and John to stop talking about Jesus. Stop doing things in the name of Jesus. And this is where we find this amazing verse that if you've been in church long enough, you've probably heard this verse. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Then this is what we read in the ESV version. And it means this. We can't help but talk about Jesus and all the amazing things that he is doing. Now, eventually, the synagogue leaders, finding no way to punish them without the crowd getting upset, they send Peter and John on their way, and this is where we're at. This is where we find ourselves. Peter and John, after going through all of this, they go to the other disciples, sharing about what had happened the previous day and what the leaders told them. I want us to note this, is that the disciples, they did something here. They paused in the middle of the situation, in the middle of what was happening. They paused and they listened, they took time 
to recognize what had happened. What we want to draw from this verse this morning is that part of being bold is actually realizing what's going on around you. You see, there was a conflict that was threatening their testimony of God's great work that just, had, that just happened and also against the gospel message. There was opposition at hand. So it leads us to this question. When you and I are approached or encounter conflict that is against the gospel message, what should we do? We continue on, verse 24, and it says this. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So let's pause here for a second. Peter and John, they just told the others about what the synagogue leaders have charged them to do. Don't stop talking about Jesus. Do not speak of Jesus. So... What they did was that they picked up their weapons and they went to the synagogue leaders and they knocked the doors. No, that's not what they did. What they did was they prayed. Now, I know that many of us who are seasoned believers, who have been in the faith for many years, that, we are, that many of us, we know that we are called to pray as we encounter conflict. But the reality is, is how simple and how easy it is for us to forget that simple action, to forget that peace, to place our thoughts before the Lord through intentional prayer. We read in this section of Acts 4, the disciples, they enter into prayer. And within this prayer, they start out with sovereign Lord who made everything you see, this is implying that God has over, uh, ownership over all things. You see, nothing is out of his reach. Nothing is out of his sight. Nothing is out of his authority. Nothing is above him or below him. He is in charge of everything that was, is, and will be. This is what we need to recognize is these two words, sovereign Lord. These two words, sovereign Lord, is like a ladle to the well of boldness. The only way that we can draw boldness from this well is through these words, realizing that God is sovereign, that sovereign Lord, he has gone before me, that he is with me, that he has my back, that he is control, in control of our lives. As we continue on, verses 25 to 28 in their prayer, they were referenced this psalm, Psalm 2. Now, if you're not familiar with Psalm 2, it is a powerful passage that speaks, that gives this, that gives this uh, prophecy of Jesus' sovereignty and might over kingdoms and rulers. Uh, if you are wondering, hey, what can I read for my devotional this week? I encourage you to read Psalms 2. Or if you are in a season where you find yourself saying that I don't know what to do or I feel confused or I, feel, I find myself uh, not as courageous and not as bold as I would like to be, take a time to read Psalms 2. But to our point though, they will reference Psalm 2 in their prayer and also include an account of what the nation of, of Jerusalem and Israel, the Pontius Pilate and Herod, and how they were against Jesus. 
All of this summed up in verse 20, this one word summed up in verse 28 is predestined. Now, please hear me. This morning, I'm not here to debate the issue of predestination today. That's not what I'm here. Uh, I believe that the Lord has equipped many within our church with the knowledge, intellect, and training to teach that topic properly with grace. But what I do desire to communicate is that God knows what is it that he is doing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 25, it says this, Paul writes, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. May we be reminded of God's authority and might over all things. You see, this, this recognizing peace, is our first peace to this formula of boldness, for boldness. Recognize the situation. Recognize who's in charge. But isn't it interesting, though, that as much as we talk about recognizing God's authority over all things, we as fallen beings, fallen human beings, we are prone to try to do things in our own way. You see, take the winds and the water, for example. Winds, they, are, uh, they, they, they obey God's command. The waters, they stay in a certain area because God has commanded them to be there. But for us, as human beings, we like to do things our own way. Wouldn't we like to say that? We like to say, God, you don't tell me what to do. uh, I tell you what to do. You see, this actually leads us to our next piece to the formula of boldness is that we have to surrender. We have to surrender. Let's continue on our text. In verses 29, it says this, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch your hand or stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So what do we mean by surrendering? To surrender means to submit ourselves under the authority of Christ. To trust his plan, to trust that he is truly over all things. And the disciples' prayer, they would ask, God, you know the situation. You know what is happening. You know what is going on. And you know what will happen. So we ask, God, give us boldness. Let our boldness, whether through signs and wonders, may they all point to Jesus. Now, as we talk about surrendering, there's also the other side of that. I want to note and caution that when we uh, we surrender our plans to the Lord, and with this, uh, uh, through the wisdom of a pastor by the name of David Guzik, he says this, there is a trap and the longing to be utilized for God to use you more. Because those desires could potentially be rooted in pride. For example, I want people to know that God used me to touch people's lives. We do not want to fall into the trap of being proud of miracles. Wouldn't we much rather say, Lord, may you be known? Quote off. As we give our plans, our fears, our doubts, 
to the Lord, he exchanges it with us. He gives us boldness to move forward, not for our glory, but for his. As we surrender ourselves to the Lord, he gives us boldness to stand against the schemes and fears of man and of the enemy. May in those moments, may we be reminded of the humility of Christ as we surrender. As Jesus puts it, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. May our boldness be rooted in our surrender to God's authority and might. Our last piece to the formula of boldness is receive. In the final few verses of our scripture today, it says this, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Take a moment in the busyness of our lives and, and, you know, even with time here is that take a moment to soak this up. Soak up what Scripture has just told us here. The place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. So what does receiving boldness from the Lord look like? It is simply this. There was no shame. There was no fear. Nothing in the world would stop them from speaking about Jesus. If you continue on reading in the book of Acts, a few chapters later, we, uh, a few chapters later we are introduced to this man named Stephen. And uh, most likely Stephen was probably there with the disciples during this moment. And Stephen would eventually become the first martyr of the church, meaning this is that Stephen was killed for his faith in Jesus. You see, Stephen was someone who was filled with boldness, not because of his strength, not because he was up all night studying for how to present this, not because he was doing all these things. No, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and the mighty work that the Spirit did through him. So our last piece of this formula of boldness is receive the Holy Spirit. Honestly, we could have just said this in the beginning and we would have been done like 10 minutes ago. But we'll probably be done and then we'll be sitting here awkwardly for an additional 20 minutes. But on a serious note, as we go through what Scripture tells us because it speaks and it gives life to us. That's why we continue on. That's why we read. That's why we study. That's why we share Scripture, to our point, receive the Holy Spirit. So imagine this. Imagine you had an amazing weekend. An amazing week or weekend of experiencing the Lord's grace and mercy. You had a Holy Spirit encounter that Saturday evening. You've repented and you committed your, recommitted your life to the Lord And whatever it may be, whatever it is that the Lord led you to, you had an encounter with them. But then you get back to work or you get back to school and your friends or your coworkers ask you, hey, how was your weekend? And your response is, "Eh, it was okay. 
Eh, it was all right. It was all right? You had an encounter, a personal encounter with the God of all creation, the one who sees every molecule in existence to the vastness of galaxies, and you said that you had an all right weekend. You see, imagine if the disciples did that. Imagine after this prayer gathering, they said, hey, that that was a pretty cool experience over there. Uh, But never going to talk about that again. People are going to look at me weird. When the Holy Spirit moves in your soul, you cannot, cannot be the same. You cannot hide the goodness of His grace. Pastor and scholar Dr. John Piper says the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking the word of God with boldness. But maybe you find yourself in a place wondering, I'm in need of the Holy Spirit to move in my life. Or maybe this resonates with you is that you're saying I'm just beat and I don't have a sense of his spirit filling my soul. If you resonate with what I said there, take heart. You see, let's look at Scripture again here. Who was there at this prayer meeting? Let's not forget that one of the disciples that was there was Peter. You see, the thing about Peter is that he already had some amazing moments where the Holy Spirit fell upon him and filled him. For example, Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell, and then he preached this amazing message of, this, of salvation, leading many to repentance and believing in Jesus. And earlier in this chapter, Acts 4, verse 8, he was filled with the Holy Spirit as he spoke with the synagogue leaders. And then here again, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and went on to continue to speak boldly. So why I mentioned this, David Guzik, who was quoted, quoted earlier, says this, we need to know that our experience of the Holy Spirit is ongoing. It needs to be an ongoing, fresh experience, quote off. So if you find yourself there, if you find yourself saying, hey, I, I need the Holy Spirit to just simply fill me, ask and receive. And I will even say this, be ready to speak about God and his grace. Today, as it was mentioned earlier, today is an international day of prayer for the persecuted church. If you're not familiar with uh, the International Day of Prayer, it is a day that we commit to praying for our brothers and sisters who are in environments and communities and areas where Christ followers are persecuted. Open Door USA reports this. 16 Christians are killed each day on average. That's nearly 500 Christians every month. Men, women, fathers, mothers, sons, and daughters, just because they follow Jesus. During the 2022 World Watch List reporting period, that was from October 2020 to September 2021, it says this, 5,110 churches or Christian buildings were attacked. 4,765 Christians were unjustly arrested, detained, or imprisoned. 
3,829 Christians were abducted for faith-related reasons. Means, and this means this. 14 congregations were attacked each day. 10 Christians faced a nightmare of kidnapping each day. 13 Christians went through the trauma of unjust arrest, detainment, and or imprisonment each day. We have brothers and sisters in the church, the global church, who are living boldly for Jesus. They live in the most harsh communities where being a Christian is pretty much signing your death certificate. Now, I don't want to ignore that there is persecution that happens in our communities around us today. But I also want to make notice is that when you're at a restaurant and you get your order wrong, and they get your order wrong, that's not persecution. If someone mistakenly cuts in front of you at the line uh, at the grocery store, that, that's not persecution. You're not dying from that. You're not dying from those things. Are they inconvenient and annoying? Yes. But how much more would someone who doesn't know Jesus would benefit when grace is extended instead? You may know of someone, or you are probably someone who has and still is living boldly for God today. And for that, I say praise God. Praise God for your boldness, for your, uh, for your willingness and your submission to God. May he continue to give you a fresh, ongoing experience of the Holy Spirit. But if you find yourself on the other side of that, where you're asking and saying, God, I, I want to be bold for you, but I'm afraid. I'm scared. During our time of prayer, would you invite him and receive him? Ask the Holy Spirit to fall upon you. If your heart dropped when hearing these statistics, I ask, pray with me. I was reading these statistics and I was telling my wife, and she was asking me, oh, how was you know, how's sermon planning going? And I was like, it's, it's going good. But I can't help but have my heart drop when I read these statistics. And I mentioned this earlier to uh, the worship team as we pray every morning before, Sunday, before we gather here, is that if we go back to the statistics, 16 Christians are killed each day on average. That's nearly 500 Christians every month. That's this. Our church, which averages about that within a month we would have we would be wiped out we would be killed I, I pray that your heart drops not because oh man I'm living a good life and I feel guilty but your heart drops and you're saying God I, I want to be bold like these people so as we conclude our time, I want us to focus and bring our focus to this. Is let's, let's pray for our brothers and our sisters in those persecuted areas. 
Let's bring our hearts to him this morning. Let's pray. God, we acknowledge that you're over all things. That this word, sovereign, it carries weight. That there is nothing that is out of your reach, nothing that is too deep, nothing that is too high for you, nothing that is too far from you. You are in all things and over all things. We come before you this morning, and as we conclude our time in your word, we pray for our brothers and sisters in those areas where speaking your name could lead to their death. Lord, I'm learning this too, is that we often pray for protection for them, and that's not a bad thing. Lord, today, this morning, we come before you and we ask, would your will be done? Holy Spirit, fall upon them and give them boldness to continue to proclaim your gospel message. And for us here, stir our hearts to be a people group that is praying continuously for those persecuted areas. Lord, would you work in us to be a people who are bold, who speaks and acts boldly for your name's sake, for your glory. For those in this room this morning who finds themselves in need of your Holy Spirit to fall upon them, Lord, I ask this, would you hear their cry? Would you move? May we be a people who recognizes that boldness comes from recognizing that you are sovereign, that you are above all things. May we be a people who surrenders our plans and our pride at the cross, trusting you more and more. May we be a people who is ready to receive your spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.